You can't win your fantasy football draft in the first round, but you sure as hell can lose it. We reveal our 2023 first round redraft rankings tonight on the In-Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Because I've been in tune, out of touch, coming off the bench, trying to shake the funk, check a satellite, see who's up, that over-under hit too clutch. And I'm trying to avoid getting carried away with the jet sweet sleeping on a trick play, predicting all of my moves like they seen every play. So I'm running it back, head down, get out of my way, and it's for the law with only one thing to do. I guess I'll say a prayer and put it all on the line for you, but they don't know something they haven't seen. I find a gap on the screen and hit them right in between. Yeah, I got it, and I got it. Just one thing to say, yeah, but they don't know something they haven't seen. I'm Between Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, all right, all right. It is May 30th, 2023. The summertime and what feels like the start of the redraft fantasy football season is here. We rope in tonight the first round on the in-between fantasy football podcast and we are joined by a man who not only is camped all over the state of washington but he was also nominated for an fswa award he studied bees in sweden at one time believe it or not all this while keeping it very in between mr scott right what's up scott hey seth happy to be here redraft season so i'm busting back out uh, the shirt that I'm going to wear till it disintegrates. Uh, let's ride. I can tell you there aren't, aren't very many Broncos in my top 12. Start there. But um, yeah, you know, had a, had a great Memorial Day weekend. The sun was out in Seattle. Got to hang out with some family. Took in a Mariners game. Got to see their ace oh, pitch. Yeah. They won. It was, it, was just, it was just a great, great weekend. Man, Memorial Day is all all what America's about. It was a great, great weekend overall. I hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. And tonight, as you allude to, Scott, this is our first round ranking show. We're going to go through the top 12 and a couple more honorable mentions. Uh, and we'll also get to some front and center. We're going to discuss D-Hop. What does hit him leaving Arizona mean to Hollywood Brown? Michael Wilson, some other wide receivers on that wide receiver core. And then Jimmy G, the injury, all that going on and more. Uh, joining us tonight on... On the In Between Fantasy Football podcast, we have the IBT family, Albert in the back end. Good evening, IBT. Good evening to you, Albert. Thanks so much for tuning in, man. We appreciate it. Uh, if you guys enjoy this type of content, please give us a thumbs up. If you want to join the family, just click that subscribe, ring the bell, come back and hang out with us, Albert, everyone along the way. Um, and Scott, before we jump into our regularly scheduled program, I did want to talk about some changes coming to the site I'm very excited about. Um, the first one is that we have been a typically long form content program uh, that's with our our podcast and with our columns as well on the website. And we're going to shrink that down. We're going to do a lot more shorter form blogs, articles, fantasy football, still lifestyle as well, and a little bit of everything. Um, I'm excited for this move, Scott. Really, it's going to be more of us than anything. Um, but we're just saying goodbye to some things we really love, like like the Mondays and my powerful playlist column and a lot of good other content on the site here. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited the new direction. Um, I mean, I'm still probably going to write a Mondays every now and then, but mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot more, like you said, short form driven. Pulp Fantasy will still exist, but it will be a little bit, you know, some big, some big splashy episodes mixed in with just some more shorter, quick hit, um, more frequent content. So I'm excited for it. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm excited to to jump on stories as they're happening and, you know, just put more out there. So yeah, I'm excited. And I think this all comes back to the one question I always want to try to answer to our YouTube audience and to our readers as well. How can we best serve the IBT community? And this was that decision and this is what went into that. So super excited for this next chapter as it unfolds for our company here. Um, Also want to chat a little bit about the show and some different things happening here lately as well. Um, If you guys have noticed, we've we've been a little little more vacant here the last couple episodes. Uh, Nate Polvo, one of the great... Very, very great faces of this company, of, of this podcast, has stepped away from the company. Um, Nate will always you know, remain in our hearts as a friend, and he played a big role uh, in getting this company where it is today. And it's just one of those things that sometimes you're on two different paths. And um, you know, it, it's something in life that we have to remember, Scott, that everything is not forever. So we appreciate while we have it. And I appreciate Nate. I appreciate his support. Um, and for right now, Scott, uh, you're going to still be, uh, be here every other week. And then we're gonna have a guest host filling in for us on the weeks. You're not here with me as well. Tuesday nights, 9 30 PM, you know, the deal here, uh, Scott, any words as we kind of transition into this next chapter here. And, uh, obviously, you know, shout out to Nate and the poll votes and everything they did for us here at IBT. Oh yeah. Shout out to Nate, Jen, you know, I mean, where, where you, where you, call your place of employment or where you're doing your content. It obviously is important, but that's not the most important thing. Like Nate, Nate, and you know, Nate's going to go on and do great things. Cause he's Nate, Nate and, you know, Nate and Jen, it's just unfortunately not with IBT at this point. So, um, but you know, I've, Nate's my brother from another mother, you know, we have a lot in common. Um, so wish him all the best. Yeah. And yeah good vibes good vibes man yeah we're gonna keep rolling on here we appreciate everyone's support along the way let's go ahead and jump into it here uh, a little bit of front and center sometimes taking that first step out the door is the hardest thing to do give it a chance you'll be begging for more save the spot just for you we're all somewhere in between i've got you all right scott front and center here uh biggest topic we can't get past is cardinals they release wide receiver deandre hopkins Averaged over nine targets last season, still seemed to have it 80 yards per game. That was with a mix of Kyler Murray, Colt McCoy, and our guy Trace McSorley from up here in State College. Um, how do you feel about this, Scott? Let, let's start with him. Can he go somewhere and be a target hog like he was last season in those limited games played? I think he can. I mean, you know, he's he's approaching he's approaching the age cliff for wide receivers. You know, but I mean, the age cliff for wide receivers and running backs, for that matter, 
it's it's a kind of more of a reference point. It doesn't necessarily apply to every single p- player. I mean, just look at Derrick Henry with, with the running backs. But no, I think I think he's still. I don't think he's washed. Term that likes to get thrown out a lot, thrown around a lot. Um, I mean, he's one of the talent, most talented wide receivers I ever ever had the pleasure of watching play. Um, I'm grateful he was in his prime during, let's call it my prime of fandom. Um, so I think he still has it. I think, I mean, depending on the situation, I mean, any team he walks onto, he'll be among the best wide receivers on the team. You know, as far as being like a, the target hog we're used to seeing, you know, probably not if he goes somewhere with some established players. Um, but I'm, I mean, I'm, I've seen, you know, I've seen the, the speculation. I have no, I honestly have no idea where he's going to end up. It um, seems like, it seems like it's a contender somewhere, Scott, that that's, that's what we're hearing is that he wants to go win a chip. So uh, any tea leaves that any like wish list that you would, you would put out there for D hop. Yeah. The chiefs. Okay. That's yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, agree. okay. If D hop goes to Kansas city and is not cut at least some semblance of D hop, then we just know why, then we'll just know for sure. Wide receivers don't work in Kansas city. It's tight ends and that's it. Um, but I mean, yeah, as far as a wish list, I mean, Mahomes to D to, to Hopkins with Kelsey, you know, I mean, right now their their number one is Kadarius Tony, according to them. Um, you know, and then there's some, there's definitely some talent in that wide receiver room, but there's no, I mean, there's no true number one receiver there at all. Their, their true number one receiver has been Travis Kelsey since Tyreek left. So, so yeah, I mean, that would be, that would be great. I mean, I've heard Buffalo's name thrown around as a potential landing spot. Um, trying to think of other teams. Where it might be, you know, there's some, there's definitely some places I don't want him to go. Um, yeah, brace for impact. That's what I was going to say, Scott. Because if you are a, a manager of OBJ or Zay Flowers in Dynasty, uh, Baltimore would be a terrible place for Shad Bateman. Same thing. And if you're a Gabe Davis manager and it's Buffalo, we're kind of seeing those tea leaves as well. Uh, Alan Lazard to the. The, the Jets, we, we've seen the Jets logo posted on some social media of D hops this week, alluding to maybe a, a, a regrouping up there in New York. So uh, it, it could be devastating for another fantasy asset, at least for 2023 here. Yeah, it could be. So uh, we'll hold on to that thought here. We'll keep you updated with DeAndre Hopkins, where he lands here. Uh, Until then, we can look at Hollywood Brown. I think he's the biggest beneficiary from this move of the Cardinals pass catchers on pace for over a thousand yards yet again last season, Scott. However, he has just one wide receiver two season uh, in his first four of his career here. So really good in targets last season, really good in target share, but just needs some more red zone looks and more more efficiency uh, to really take that next step into being a high-end wide receiver too do you think he can do it this season when we don't really know who the quarterback's going to be uh possibly colt mccoy uh or clayton toon i think it's uh, i think it's possible but i won't have him ranked as a wide receiver too he'll be a wide receiver three i haven't gone through and done much beyond what we're going to talk about tonight with redraft rankings but just thinking about all the other wide receivers and the i mean the quarterback situation in Arizona with Kyler missing time. Is it going to be Colt McCoy or, you know, this new sexy sleeper Clayton tune? Um, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't bode well for that passing game, at least early on in the season. Um, so, I mean, I think he's super talented. I think he's doing his absolute best to, to break, to buck the trend with smaller wide receivers. He's, he's doing his best. He just hasn't, he hasn't just, he just hasn't yet put together a full complete season. Um, so, and I just, I don't know if that's, with kind of the turmoil in Arizona at this point, I don't know if that's possible. 
I mean, I think I think he'll be the leading. He'll lead the team in targets, you know, in wide receiver targets for sure. You know, I think this bumps up a few other players more on the periphery. You know, I mean, Trey McBride, highest highest drafted tight end last year, um, didn't do much his rookie year, but you know, spoiler alert: no tight ends do good their rookie year, do well their rookie year. So he's someone I've got my eye on later in in drafts, um, and then um, not necessarily as much in redraft, but uh, Michael Wilson, uh, kind of. Somewhat pretty. You're, you're muted. Slept on, um, slept on. Good draft capital wide receiver that came out. You know he's going to be a rookie this year. I got him in the fourth round of a of a rookie draft. A day two wide receiver in the fourth round. So Stanford pride, baby. So I mean, he he, he gets. I mean, what 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 that bump looks like for a rookie wide receiver with that quarterback situation? I'm not sure, but it's better than it was when Hopkins was there. Um, now Zach Ertz. It's really tough to tell. I mean, he's up there in age. He's battled injuries. Um, I don't know if the torch gets passed to McBride this year or if they just split to the point where neither is valuable. Um, I mean, really, I'm just kind of avoiding the Cardinals at this point for the most part. Marquise Brown, wide receiver 35 right now on underdog. I would be tempted at that price because yeah. I think he's going to be a garbage time hero. Like garbage time counts too. And I think that's what we're going to get. Cardinals only projected to win four games this season, Scott. So they're going to be playing from behind quite a bit. And I see Hollywood kind of cleaning up here late. You know, it might not be pretty. It might be one of those days. Don't check your lineup for the first, you know, the first half of, of, of the early games, but it, it might happen. Well, and you I'm, know? I'm picturing because the way I draft typically I, I go into most drafts, even dynasty without, I don't have like a regimented written out strategy. Um, so there comes, there, in, especially in redraft, there comes points where it's just like, I got a list of players and I know the ones I want at that range. Like they stand out from the crowd, whether I'm right or wrong, the season will tell. Wide receiver 35, if he's sitting there where the other, you know, the other wide receivers I can picture around that spot. Right in Traylon Burks, Gabe Davis, Dotson, Deontay Johnson. That's kind yeah, of the range. He'll be, he'll be a name that stands out amongst that group if he if he stays as a low end three wide receiver three. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. I'm with you there. I am intrigued by Hollywood Brown in redraft this season. Let's move on to another situation that could shake out redrafts. <laughs> Jimmy on? Jimmy Garoppolo underwent a foot surgery here recently. We figured this would be if it was going to happen to be closer to the season when he hurt that foot but he has signed a waiver in place of a physical. And what this means for fantasy football, what this means is there's an addendum C or G addendum addendum addendum. Thank you, Scott. Um, That allows the Raiders to cut Jimmy Garoppolo, but before any time that he's played before they owe him any money, if he has not passed a physical at some point. So we don't know if, if that's totally going to happen. We talked a couple weeks ago here with our guy, Will, Will Teague on the podcast that I'm scared of Devontae Adams at the wide receiver seven price tag. Now that we know maybe it's Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue, the rookie leading this thing. Maybe it's Brian Hoyer, the vet of uh, the Josh McDaniel system, or maybe it's Jimmy G who's not hundred percent healthy coming into the season, which is always a story with Jimmy G. How do you feel about that price tag for Adams and uh, other pass catchers here? I mean, I don't, I don't really think about any, Josh Jacobs and Devonte Adams are who I'm thinking about when I'm thinking of the Raiders. That's pretty much it. Um, I actually still kind of, I mean, I know this is, this is red flag city we've got here, 
Um, That's how I feel, man. I, I, I want to be it. as far away from them. For me, it's it's red flag city for the quarterback situation. I really, I just don't really care that much who plays quarterback with Devonte Adams. Now, I mean, here's here's the thing. So I think wide receiver wide receiver seven is fine. I you know I'm still you know I guess on the optimistic side that Jimmy G will start. He's a competent quarterback. Devonte you know. Devonte Adams will still be mostly Devonte Adams. I mean, I, I currently have him as my wide receiver five after Tyreek Hill. So wide receiver seven sounds good to me. To me, I mean, to me, the only reason he's not up with those other guys is because of this quarterback situation. I mean, all he's ever done, at least as of late. I mean, even last year with Derek Carr, who was not liked by the team and being, you know, sat on the bench, he still led the mm-hmm. league in target share. He was still the wide receiver. What was he? wide receiver four and points per game, you know, see, he's still put that up even in those, you know, less than ideal circumstances. So again, so that he was wide receiver four, I'm not going that high because even, you know, if Jimmy G doesn't play, then whatever they end up throwing out there is not, is not going to be as good as Derek Carr. I mean, we know that, but that's why if you get back down towards wide receiver six, seven, eight down in that range, I'm still fine with it because he's still going to be a target hog. He's just, I think his ceiling of being the overall wide receiver one is not there. Yeah, Josh Jacobs going RB9, 27th overall. He might be a value if there is some quarterback issues there. Jacoby Myers, wide receiver 54. Renfro, 77. So uh, probably going to fall even more if there is some QB issues here. Uh, those guys, you can take a shot. I would be more interested in Michael Mayer, 16th round right now, redrafts, going as tight end 23. I think whoever's the quarterback is going to target him quite a bit. Um, so I'm on Mayer, but I think outside of that, I will pass on these guys. And yeah, yeah. I was just not a not a fan of Devontae, but I, I totally understand that you're riding ship with him. Um, track record says that. Let's move on to Anthony Richardson here. He's splitting first team reps. Oh, spe- spelled team wrong on this. Uh, but Scott, how high is too high for Anthony Richardson? Currently QB 10 going in the middle of the eighth round. Are you comfortable paying that price for a rookie quarterback out of Florida, which we haven't seen a ton of production? Um, so Richardson for me in redraft at least. And I mean, this, the splitting first team reps is not surprising. It is still, I mean, I guess we're almost to tomorrow or a couple days we're in June, but it's still early. Um, and I mean, out of all the rookie QBs that came in, he's seen as the least ready. So the fact that he, you know, it, I would be shocked if he was, if he, if he just took the reins immediately and was first team starting quarterback starting in May, that would honestly shock me more than this, this split, even, you know, spilling into training camp come this summer. Um, but I still have faith that he's going to be the starter for the majority of the season in Indianapolis and QB 10. It depends a little bit for me. He, I'm looking at him a little bit like I looked at Trey Lance a few years ago. Now, obviously, Trey Lance didn't work out that year, but yeah. I was I was willing I was willing to to scoop up one of those guys later, you know, later in the draft. Trey Lance was going later than Richardson is going now, so it was a little less of a risk. That's QB ten is a little high for redraft, um, but I am the type that would potentially take him there and then, you know, round it out with a. Kirk Cousins or just some veteran who I know is going to not kill me, but probably not win my league for me. Aaron Rodgers, QB 15, Geno Smith, QB 16, yeah, Goff, somebody like Q- that. QB 17. Yeah. Somebody like that. Yep. 
I'm right there with you, Scott. That would be so. I don't mind taking Anthony Richardson because it's a lottery ticket. That's what you're taking at that pick. As much as you're taking a talented, uh, perhaps lethal rookie quarterback there, you're punching your lottery ticket. It might win out, or it might be like a Trey Lance from a couple years ago and doesn't do it. I'm well, willing to take that if, risk. Uh, if you're in a redraft that has, you know, some, I, I'm in a couple redraft leagues that also have a couple of keepers potentially, where you keep somebody based on the round you drafted them. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Yes. I mean, I typically, yep. if I if I go pretty early on QB, I typically stick with one QB and redraft if it's a one QB league, obviously. But then my other strategy is somebody like Lance or Richardson paired with a later round guy, um, and just see what happens. So, if he climbs much higher than that, I probably won't be willing to take that risk. Um, but it's all going to be based on, you know, what my team drafted like with too. Well, and what my team looks like when I get to that point in the draft, can I afford yeah. to take that flyer? Or is there like a running back or a receiver I, I really need, you know? So, yeah. but I'm excited. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for the Colts. You know, we'll just, I don't know if it's going to all click this year, but I'm excited for Richardson and the Colts. Absolutely. Me as well. We've talked at length about Richardson on the podcast this uh, offseason. So we won't talk about him tonight, but we will talk about our, uh, our our top 12 ranking heading into the redraft season. So let's do that in some temperature check. Temperature check. That's really spicy. Holy <laughs> shit. All right, temperature check. Let's get into it here, Scott. And the reason I wanted to do this tonight is I thought this was an opportunity where best balls are heating up. They're cranking up more than ever. Uh, we're going to talk about it later, but some different tournaments in the industry are, are starting to begin as well. Or at least invites are going out. So people are kind of getting ready. Uh, even the more casual players, I think, are starting to pay a little bit more attention. The summer has started. Memorial Day has passed. Things are slowing down in the NFL for the time being. So let's talk about it here. And let's start with uh, our consensus 101. And I will say we were tied with this. This We had a – so I, I do say consensus, but 101 and 102 could have swapped back and forth. And no doubt about though, it is Justin Jefferson. This is who we're saying if you have the first pick in your draft, you should be considering Justin Jefferson. Wide receiver 6, 4, and 1 to begin his career. Almost 130 receptions last season, 1,800 yards – and nine total touchdowns. However, we do have the talented rookie Jordan Addison coming into Minnesota. Dalvin Cook's future, though, also unknown. So a lot of question marks here, Scott, with the Minnesota Vikings second year in that Kevin O'Connell system. How do you like Justin Jefferson? Do you think he finishes as possibly the number one player in fantasy uh, here in 2023? Oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't bet against him being the overall wide receiver one again. I mean, Jordan Addison is coming in, but... Um... Wow. I am Thielen. Adam Thielen. I blanked on his name for a second, but he's, he's now gone. Um, same quarterback. They basically gutted their defense. I think they're going to be in a lot of um, pass happy games. Even more. Like, yeah. Playing from yeah. behind. So, you know, I think, I mean, I, if it's possible for Jefferson to potentially outdo himself this year, I think he could. Um I mean, he's shown a leader in, you know, leader in targets per game last year by, you know, dog likes to interrupt me. And I don't see why that would change. Um, I'm I'm a huge Jordan Addison fan, but not to the point where it's going to cut into, you know, 
if Jordan Addison was joining with Adam Thielen, then it might be something, but it's, mm-hmm. it's those two guys and, and TJ Hawkinson. That's it. That's, I mean, that's really it. Um, so, so yeah, he, he, he is a, definitely a candidate for first overall. Um, second guy. Well, if you want to talk about Jefferson. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so briefly, I'll just say like the only concern I think is that we know it's Kirk Cousins. So we know he's never going to throw 50 touchdowns. And I think like that was the only thing that kind of held him back last season is he was under his projected touchdowns, which were just over 11. He had a nine total eight receiving that he had that one rushing as well, but Thielen's no longer there. And Thielen's always been kind of a touchdown hog as well. So that could potentially open the double digit touchdown ceiling open or uh, open it back up for Justin Jefferson here. So I think it's, I'm a little mixed on him overall Um, 10th and target share as well. So I would like to see that increase, but how many times Scott, I don't know if you had a lot of exposure to Jefferson last season, but it was so frustrating because he'd score about 17 points in the opening drive and then just nothing for a large part of the second half. And it was just, it was maddening. Um, I know Minnesota Vikings fans didn't like what, what would happen a lot of the time as well. So um, overall though, I think he is a safe number one here, but go ahead and introduce uh, the one Oh two on our list, Scott. So this is one Oh two. If we're being transparent, this was my one Oh one, but it's Christian McCaffrey. And to me, it's, you know, it's, it's a one A and a one A between him and Jefferson, really. Uh, What, what gave the edge to Christian McCaffrey for me is I honestly think that he's more likely, and I know Austin Eckler exists, he's more likely to, you know, give you more of an advantage as the first overall running back than Jefferson is as the first overall receiver. What I mean by that is I feel like there's, I feel like there's a good four receivers who easily could finish as the wide receiver one this year. Jefferson, I feel like is the most likely, but I think there's four. There's only two or three running backs that I would say. That about. Um, and so that's where I, and I mean, McCaffrey in San Francisco, I mean, there was, you know, there was some mis I think some misguided concern about his volume once he got there, but you know, he maintained about a 70% opportunity share Um if you look at his points per game when he was in Carolina and then what they were in San Francisco, it was a point and a half higher. Once he got to San Francisco, he scored a point and a half more points per game. Once he got there, led the league in running back target share. And I mean, we'll get to Eckler later, but the reason I give that, even though Eckler just finished as the RB one, uh, the reason I give McCaffrey the edge over Eckler is he, he gets a little bit more rushing work. He is, he is less reliant on touchdowns than Eckler uh, in my opinion. And so I just think, McCaffrey with full season in San Francisco, barring injury, he's still he's still my one one. Um, but again, I I'm totally fine taking Justin Jefferson one one as well. You know, um, which that's growth for me. I would have never considered taking a wide receiver number one overall in redraft five years ago. No way. So I like it. <laughs> well, and I think you hit on a very important note why we like Christian McCaffrey so much. It is because he could be a rushing factor here in 2023, folks. I think that's something we need to keep in mind here because we don't know about the quarterback situation. Is it Purdy? Is it Sam Darnold? Is it Trey Lance? We don't really know. But with no real threat of a receiving game uh, or passing game possibly being here, they're going to have to rely on him even more. We took him last last postseason to have the most rushing yards in the playoffs, Scott, at a very favorable number, and we cashed that ticket, if you remember. It was one of our favorite favorite postseason props. And now we're coming back to, to the point where 
I would get on some season-long bets for Christian McCaffrey as well. If you can find a bet for most rushing yards for a running back, I think he could be a candidate. Um, I really like CMC this year as well, Scott. So uh, it's a little bit uncertain there in San Francisco. And I think CMC is the one uh, notable name, man. He didn't lose a step when he went to there. So Yeah, and I mean, I don't I don't think we're going to hit 29 points per game like he did in, I think it was 2019. You know, I, I don't think he's going to get there because Elijah Mitchell will still be involved. He's not going to he's not going to have this 90 percent opportunity share like certainly like he did in in Carolina. Um, but, you know, 24, 25 points per game, I think is easily there. So I just I think he's still just the CMC that it is seen as basically the RB cheat code. Um, and I think I think he's still that. And now he's on he's on an offense like San Francisco. Sign me up. Yeah, want to address the chat here. We got Craig saying, can't wait to see where Jameson Crowder lands. Fingers crossed. Love it, Craig. Yeah, no Jameson Crowder on tonight's show. Uh, maybe when we uh, maybe we'll do a ranking show for like the 29th round here, Scott, and maybe we can get yeah. Crowder on. Yeah. Oh, we got Yeet Man saying, when will ESPN update their ADP? I'm getting Olave in the fourth round. Wow, that's, that's great to see, Yeet Man. And I will say, ESPN is a very sporadic ADP updater. Yep. Um, that is somewhere that you can really, really take advantage of your league mates because if they're coming in fresh off the streets and they're not doing their homework here in the offseason like you are here, Yeet Man, I think you're going to have a very advantageous draft because you can take advantage of some of those differences in ADP because you know if you've been over on Sleeper or doing some best balls on Underdog, Olave is going around end of the second round, early third round. And Scott, at that price tag, I've told you I'm out. I'm out at that price tag. But if I can get Olave in the fourth here on ESPN, that is some really, really good notes there. So, Yeet, man, I'm not sure. I, I can't tell you when they're going to update it for sure. Um, I, I can tell you that four for four has a really good underdog ADP uh, ADP tool that you can check out kind of where they're going on there. A lot of industry people are playing on that and a lot of diehards. So if you want to see kind of up to date rankings, that's kind of going to be your best bet here. Um, that, brings but, up, that brings up a good point, though. Um, good strategy is to know know your league mates. And if you know that most of them are sitting, because, you know, if you're, if you're drafting on ESPN and I've done tons of drafting on ESPN. Um, and if you can see, you know, you, you won't be able to really tell. I mean, you might be able to know from past seasons and just tendencies of your league mates. But if you can see that players are pretty much going at that ADP that ESPN is spitting out, you can take advantage of that. Um, you know, cause you, you can grab somebody like Olave who, you know, everybody, you know, and, and the best is the best is when a league mate thinks you're reaching because they're way down the 80 yeah. list and you're like, no, 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 no. So anyway, you're good. It's a, it's a great strategy to know if you, if you, if you come with your own rankings or, you know, your own tiers, then pay attention to that. Cause you can, you can take advantage. Yeah, absolutely agree. I'm going to drop that underdog ADP tool for you in the chat there. Um, it's there for you, man. You can kind of see what it's going over there and some best balls here. Um, and thanks for the question, man. Hope you subscribe to the channel. Come back and hang out, hang out with us again here. Um, Scott, let's go ahead, though. We have another wide receiver we're going to talk about here. It's Jamar Chase, a wide receiver who two straight wide receiver seasons for him, wide receiver five as a rookie, and then wide receiver 12 last season, but only in 12 games. Led the NFL in red zone targets, 22 TDs in two seasons. However, he's not this, he's not a reception hog like Justin Jefferson. He's not a reception hog like some of these other receivers here. Never had over 90 in his career. Uh, what do you make of Chase here at three? Is it too high for you? 
Um, not really. Uh, I have a I have a different wide receiver at three, and then I have Chase at four. But no, I, he's one of the the receivers I mentioned who I think could finish as the overall wide receiver one. Um, so with Chase, I mean, he was he was wide receiver six in points per game. So I mean, it looks a little better from that perspective. And you know, again, you know, not as many games, but he was number two behind only Justin Jefferson in targets per game. So he actually was more of a target hog than I had thought until I looked, looked yeah. back at it. Yeah. You know, I kind of, I kind of just, I was thinking of his rookie year where it's like Higgins is there and Higgins is the kind of the more possession guy who's getting a lot of targets and Chase is getting the big splash plays and long touchdowns, but no, Chase, Chase is going to eat. Um, and his target share, I have it as the eighth highest target share, but you have to keep in mind when you're just looking at straight target shares that, you know, you have to take into context the market share. So the, the targets that they're sharing from and Cincinnati's market of targets is high. Yes. They had, they were top 10 in pass rate, top 10 in wide, wide receiver target share last year. So eighth highest is actually pretty good. You know, when it's, when it's a, you know, like 25% of the Cincinnati passing game is better than 30% of the Tennessee passing game, if that makes sense. Um, so again, I, he's one of those, he's one of those guys, I think, he could, he's a foundational piece. He couldn't, you know, he could easily finish as the wide receiver one. I would like to see Chase take the next step that we saw Justin Jefferson take next last year, where Chase has been making his money on these deep goes and also in the red zone. And we need to see him more in the middle of the field, uh, lower the eight off just a little bit. I think that will bring the catch rate up as well. That's what we're looking for. Jamar Chase to take the next step. And if he can, he can contend for that wide receiver one slot let's go ahead and move on to number four here this is where i kind of put the end of my first tier scott i, I think the top four are kind of in their own tier uh our rankings kind of put that as well um austin eckler here for the chargers worked out an incentive deal we were worried a couple weeks ago might go into a Le'Veon bell situation that's not the case the king of tds is back over 38 TDs in the last two seasons. We know the wide receivers here tend to miss some games. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, it could lead to even a bigger workload for Austin Eckler, but it's Kellen Moore now calling plays. Could that change things, Scott? Um, it could. You know, I mean, again, I gave McCaffrey, if we're just looking at the RBs, I gave McCaffrey the edge over Eckler. Um, I have Eckler, I have Eckler at fifth overall in mine. Um you know, the fact that he's back in back with the Chargers obviously is ideal. You know, I think they utilize his skill set, as we've seen over the last two seasons, better than any other team could. So any other team would be a hit for him. My only concern and the reason I give the edge to McCaffrey is he was a, he, he was a bit touchdown reliant. Um, I think they're but he's done it for two straight seasons. So it's hard to it's hard to argue against it. But there I feel like there is some touchdown regression coming. Um there's a stat where it's a it's market share of team TDs. So how many of the team's TDs do you score? And you, you look at it for the different positions. He was at 47%, which is insane for a running back. It's an insane number for a running back. Um, and I looked up his kind of, if you divvy up his fantasy points, how, much, how many of them came from touchdowns? How many of them came from not touchdowns? He was right around 30%, which is really high. The only people that were higher than him, um, the highest ranked player in that group was like RB20. So it's just the numbers don't seem sustainable. And since he's a little bit more reliant on that and has a little bit of a less of a rushing volume, 
that's why I give the edge to McCaffrey, but he's still within my top five because he, that's two straight years now. He's, he's done it. And I just freaking love it because he's an undrafted free agent. I know, I know. And he, he embraces the fantasy community, and he's one of my favorite players. I'm so happy we can get back on the horse with Austin yep. Eckler, Scott. It's it's good to see it because we did have question marks, but now like he he's the RB2 for me, and I don't think I have a lot of question marks about it. I think he'll be a great once again this season. want to address some more questions here in the chat from Yeatman. He's saying, how should I figure out where players are actually being – should be going uh is doing a mock draft with them smart he says i don't want to have a draft strategy and get absolutely sniped so here's what i'm going to say i'm going to say two things first thing i'm going to say is i'm going to drop the fantasy pros mock draft wizard tool very helpful i i, I really enjoy this tool and it's not just because i work for them but they are they are really helpful to seeing where adp is going to shake out to quickly assessing some different strategies and what i'm also going to say here eat man is that you shouldn't go in with one set strategy. You need to keep a lot of people say keep it water in this industry. We could say keep it in between because maybe you have a strategy, but when people zig, sometimes you have to zag and sometimes players just fall to you and you have to go against what you thought you were going to do go it, going into it. Scott, what do you have to say here for Yeet Man with so, some really great insight, really great questions overall tonight? I mean, I concur with what you said. The Fantasy Pros tool is excellent. Um, I mean, my, yeah, mock drafting, you know, it's, uh, it's good practice. You, you know, you, you have to know it's not going to play out that way, but it's at least good practice. There was one season, it was, a, I think it was a couple of years ago where I really didn't do a lot of mock drafts and I felt it when I went to do my real drafts. Like I felt a little bit of that, that rustiness. So the mock drafting is great. And I mean, Seth, you hit it like same for me, like I don't ever set out with, oh, I'm going zero RB here no matter what, or I'm going hero RB here you no matter can't. what, or you can't. I'm going RB, RB no matter what. Because um, especially in some of my leagues, like people, sometimes people make wacky picks early in drafts and all of a sudden somebody's sitting in your lap, you know, and all of a sudden I've gone wide receiver, wide receiver in the first two rounds and I wasn't planning on it, but I could not pass it up. So, I mean, you just, you have to be, you have to be flexible and fluid and kind of take what it, I mean, you could have a general strategy. You know, you can have a general strategy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, no, I, I concur with what you said. I, I just want to tell a funny story, Scott, that, that you kind of mentioned in there that, that that brought this up. But last year in the Scott Fishbowl, this is a, a league that very favors quarterbacks. So I was targeting a quarterback at the end of the first round and early second round. And Travis Kelsey fell into my lap at the end of the first round. And I should have taken him. And I wasn't expecting it to him. Because every mock draft I did, Kelsey never fell there. He was always a top five pick. And what did I do? I went with the player I mock draft there. I took fucking Russell Wilson. Oh and boy. It, yes. And took Jalen Hurts in the second. That was great. But yeah, let, uh, podcast streamers can't see it. But, but Scott has oh, a Let's sorry. Ride shirt on. I have, a, um, I have a goofy shirt that says Let's Ride with Russell Wilson. Yeah. So, uh, so biggest thing, man, stay water, see what your league mates do and take those tendencies into account, man, because there are so many times, like I know if I'm drafting with Eagles fans or Steelers fans being out here, here in Pennsylvania, I have to take that into account. Najee's going to go a little bit earlier. I'm not going to have a shot at Jalen Hurts. Those are the things you have to take into account. Um, but great questions. Keep them coming here. Let's go on and move to Travis Kelsey, who Scott, this was one. We were both very high on Kelsey. Tight end one in six of the last seven seasons. 
and age 32 seasons. I think we called it a little bit. We, we thought he might have career highs, and he delivered 152 targets, 110 receptions, over 1,300 receiving yards, and 12 touchdowns. And like when you look at this guy, he is in a tight end slot. He, he is paid like a tight end, but he's third in receptions third in targets, like not just amongst tight ends, but this among everyone. Like he is an alpha wide receiver in a 280 pound man grown, grown man's body. Yeah. I mean, you could, I mean, you, there's an argument to be made that Travis Kelsey could be the number one pick one one. There's an argument for it. Wow. Um, I would never do it. Probably. Right. Well, I don't know. I might, but his, I mean, and and basically, it, you know, especially if there's any kind of tight end premium, but basically it's, you hear it all the time, the the advantage he gives you at the position. And in his case, and I did, I, I looked at the numbers, I think in the last 15 years, um, 15 seasons, 2022, the distance between the tight end one and the tight end two. So that advantage he was giving you over everybody, not between him and the tight end 12, but the tight end two was the, was the highest. Of, of, of all 15, yep. 15 years of any position group. Um, and that, you know, that is, I, I, it's hard to, it's hard to put into words and convey how valuable that advantage is. Um, again, that's where my pitch would be that if somebody took Kelsey one-on-one in a PPR league and in, in a league I'm in, I would not be like, Holy crap. I'd be like, Hmm, interesting because of the advantage he provides you. And I don't see it stopping, you know, his, his value in dynasty, it's starting to starting to get a little fuzzy and gray area. Cause <laughs> it is, but it's so hard to trap. It's him really hard right to now. figure out his value in dynasty. Yeah. Um, Cause he's a little bit Derek Henry esque and it's just like, is this guy ever going to, is he ever going to fall off, you know, ever. So, um, but yeah, I, you know, I have a, I think I have a one Oh four or a one Oh five in one of my redraft home leagues. And like, I'm taking Kelsey. I know no one else is going to take him. I'm taking him. And he's I, also I, this. I mean, this top five. Like normally in most years, I like I don't really want to be in the top five. Um, but honestly, this this year, that I mean, I would be happy with any of the players that we've mentioned so far as my first pick. So on, I mean, really, being the fifth pick is is a pretty ideal spot because then you you know you get you come around sooner in the second round. Um, so and I mean, and Kelsey, Kelsey is part of that. He's part of that tier for me. Okay. Yeah. And I'll say this again, Scott. It was one of those things that early last redraft season, I think we probably did this show a bit earlier last year, maybe March or so. And I had Kelsey as a top five pick. And when my redrafts came around, I just was lower on him for some reason, like general ADP is for tight ends. And I regretted it. It's, I didn't have enough of them. I will. It is. It feels weird to take a tight end in the first round. For me personally, the amount of redraft I've played since 2006, like it's just. There was Gronk and Jimmy Graham in the 2000 and teens. You know what I mean? But outside of that, and those were always the back end. This is the middle of the first round. But yeah, I think yeah. we're dead on here, man. Well, no, and I never ended up with either of those tight ends because I wasn't willing to take a tight end in the first round. Right. But I feel like from what I've learned over the years, but specifically once I got into this industry, I realized the benefit of it. I realize that it's okay. It's okay to leave the first round without a running back, guys. Yeah. Well, it is sometimes, but sometimes you have Bijan Robinson up, who is our number six player. And this is one of the craziest 
hype trains that's about to start. And we've seen both sides of this coin in the last five to seven years. We saw 2016's Ezekiel Elliott. He was pushed up to an RB1 uh, top six pick in most redrafts that year. He delivered. We saw Saquon Barkley two years later in 2018. He delivered. Najee Harris, his rookie season, he delivered. However, we've also seen Clyde Edwards-Alaire where never delivered that type of value. Um, but Bijan running back or Bijan Robinson, one of the best running back prospects we've ever seen here. Um, but Arthur Smith, he has dampered prospects before. Kyle Pitts, Drake London. Um, is it safe to take Bijan at six? That's the question here because I know it's, we I know mean, what the upside is. No. It's RB one. It's not safe to take a rookie <laughs> at the six overall. Like it's never going to be a safe thing. We don't. We have no idea what's going to happen in the NFL with this guy. You know, me and a lot of other people have spent months like looking at rookies. And honestly, I didn't spend a lot of time on Bijan because it's just like, oh yeah, he's a friggin' stud. Like I didn't have to do a lot of analysis on Bijan. But again, it, he's a rookie. He's playing for a team that's not very good. Um, well, I think Atlanta's going to be better. I think they'll be better. Yes, we do believe but that. He's, but he's he's not going into just a smash, you know, best offensive yeah. line in the league, you know, team that averages the most passes to running backs. He's not going into one of those types of scenarios. Um, but you and I both had him right at this spot. And I have in my <laughs> – I took – no, I put notes in on all these players that we put in this. The only thing I have written for Bijan is maybe a little high, question mark. That's all I have written because I just – it's really hard to tell. I just think, I think, I mean, you know, one thing that's good about his scenario is Atlanta runs the crap out of the ball. So that's going to be Bijan. That's going to be mostly Bijan. Um, Tyler Algier was a great story and a great lesson in why later round running backs are dispensable, basically. Um, but, you know, you get know, what like you it, can it, out of him. Get, it feels get out a little him, weird yeah. taking him over people like Tyreek Hill or Saquon Barkley. You know what I mean? Um, but I just think he's one of those guys where if he hits, I mean, you've, you've, you've got one of the best running backs in the league, um, but you're paying. That's the, that's, that's why it's paying the premium. You're, you're paying at that price. So for me, like if I end up with Bijan, it's going to be probably, it's one of those picks I'll make where it's just like, all right, screw it. Let's have some fun. Like, let's see what this rookie can do. I want to be the guy that has him and is just super excited as he goes off every week. But could there be, could there be some disappointment? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I, I love it, Scott. You just threw it out very bluntly because that is the truth. And I think the one good thing about Bijan Robinson is if you take him at six or seven here in your redraft, and let's say week one and two don't go how, how you want, you shouldn't sell him for penny on the dollars. But I think you're still going to get a lot for him. There's going to be someone who wants Bijan, no matter if it's a bad game or two to start out the season. So that's what I, I think he's going to instant name value in your league and you could flip him for a ton. So that's why I do like Bijan at six here. I'm not afraid of it. It sounds like you're not afraid either, Scott, um, of the risk. It is a risk reward pick. Um, speaking of a risk reward pick though, Cooper cup coming in at number seven, and this was our biggest discrepancy between the two of us here, man. You had him all the way up at number three overall. I believe your wide receiver two. I had him down at 10 and this is a guy who led wide receivers in fantasy points per game. I know you love that. I know that's that fantasy points per game. Like Scott, there needs to be a metric or, or Scott's picture in the dictionary, the fantasy dictionary next to it. Cause this guy loves it. Second highest target share as well. However, there are question marks here in Los Angeles. What's the offensive line going to be? 
there aren't really a lot of other good weapons on this team outside of him either. There's the Ben Skoranics, there's the, the Tutu Atwells of the world, the Cam Akers. Uh, and then what about Stafford's health? Is he going to be 100%? And Cooper Cup also injured last season. So there's a lot of worries here, Scott, to be yeah. ranking him third. That was bold, I thought. There's concerns, but I mean, I'm assuming he comes back fully healthy. And again, this 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 assumes Stafford is healthy too. Like, I will change my ranking if it, Stafford is not the quarterback. Um, but Cup, a little bit like Devonte Adams in my mind, I don't really care what the situation is. He always delivers. He always has. Last year, yeah, I mean, points per game. I do like to bring up points per game just because it's what they did when they played. But um, but he he was on pace. Like when he yeah when when he got hurt, he was the wide receiver one, um, not including the game he got hurt. Uh, what was it? I have it written down somewhere. Not including the game he got hurt, he was below 20 points per game one time. Um, he had that ridiculous wide receiver when he was the wide receiver one where he was a top 12 wide receiver in like 80% of the game. <laughs> it was crazy, yeah. So I just think if he's healthy, I think, you know, uh, three is a little bold. Um, three is kind of paying at a ceiling. But he is also in that group for me with Chase, with um, Jefferson, uh, who could be the wide receiver one. I mean, he was until he got hurt last year and he was the year before. Like, I, I don't, I mean, the concerns you bring up are valid. Um, yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, that's, you know, sometimes that's what you have to pay, you know, for a potential number one overall at that position. Um, so, yeah, it's a little bold. I have him in front. Of, I have him in front of Chase. I have him in front of Kelsey. But I just I see him. I almost you know if he's if he's Cooper Cup, then third overall could potentially be a discount. <laughs> it's crazy when you put it like that, man. Because I I probably do have him too low, being all the way down at ten. Uh, looking back at this now, but there were so many times I didn't have him last season on a lot of teams because I went Justin Jefferson over him at, at like the four, or the three, and mm -hmm. some drafts and. You know, I don't I didn't regret that, obviously, but I was just like, damn, Cooper Cuff just does not stop, you know, no, like, like, so a lot of question marks there. Scott's willing to risk it for the biscuit. Um, I'm going to be a little more cautious, but he's going five overall in underdog draft. So a little bit higher than we're right between us. Yep. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Kind of right in there. So I would take Bijan over him. I would take Kelsey over him and I would be very tough uh when we talk about our next player as well however i do want to address the chat once more here um looks like Yeet man's back in the chat he he's uh saying last year was his first year playing fantasy well welcome man glad you got into it um he said he didn't do any mock drafts and his team fell apart after the hall cup and d hop uh qb injuries yeah man i, I was with you uh Brees hall almost in every single i mean league. like looking at those names hall cup and d hop you had the nuts Week two last year, I'd be – I mean, that's just bad luck, man. Yeah. That's yeah. – getting those three players, like, I'm I'm a heavy, heavy Brees Hall fan. Um, Same. So, yeah, that's just – that's bad luck. It'll, 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 it'll even out this year for you. Ab absolutely. He's saying, I'm not going to make any strategies for drafting because everything can change. Great. Um, was last year's ESPN ADP bad? I don't think it was bad. No, I, I did play quite a few leagues on ESPN. I usually do. 
Um, I think the first round was pretty close to, to what like a lot of ADP was across the industry. However, like there's always some differences. Um, usually, usually quarterbacks go a lot earlier in ESPN leagues for whatever reason. This year, not so much. I think the quarterbacks in some of these best balls are really going high, like second round. So, um, but it's always different. So I think like there are a lot of tools out there. Uh, again, another fantasy pros tools. You can actually see uh, different ADPs compared side by side. I think there's some others out there in the industry as well. So just kind of keep a hold of those tools and see. I, I don't want to say necessarily they're bad, um, but a lot of them, I, I think they actually just import Mike, Mike. Uh, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Mike Clay's projection. Sorry. Yeah. So. It's different, man. But but keep an eye out on it, Scott. Let's go ahead. Let's uh, let's talk about our next player here that I'm very interested in. I, I put him on the thumbnail for a reason tonight. It's Jonathan Taylor. Rushed for nearly three thousand yards during his first two seasons. Thirty three total touchdowns after being uh, just an exquisite Wisconsin Badger man. Uh, RB one, RB six seasons for him. But last year was a disaster. If you drafted Jonathan Taylor. He was last year's consensus 101, and to get the consensus 101 from a year ago all the way down here, maybe at eight here, Scott, feels like a bit of a value when I'd still love that line. Qu Quentin Williams, and I think there are a lot of really talented linemen on that, that front. They just have to get it together, and I think they will here under Shane Steichen. They have a great schedule, and I think Anthony Richardson's going to get it going as well. It's easier to be a better rusher when you have a mobile quarterback However, Scott, you might not think so. And there are still question marks. Will Anthony Richardson cutting to the TDs that Jonathan Taylor could get near the goal line? Uh, could the receiving work go down with a mobile quarterback as well? So, so what are your concerns possibly for Jonathan Taylor here? So my concerns with Taylor, I think I have him at 10. So I'm a little bit lower on him than you, which I think if I'm on the clock and he's sitting there at eight, nine or 10, I'll gladly take him there. But it's, with Taylor, it's just more about the people in front of him I would rather have. And part of my concern with Taylor, again, it's not his talent. Um, you know, it's no secret. I listen to a lot of J.J. Zacharyson late round, at late round QB. Um, and his last two podcasts covered, last week it covered the impact of mobile quarterbacks on the other position groups. And today's covered the impact of rookie quarterbacks. On oh, okay. Great. And neither are good. Um, relatively speaking, neither are the, the, the other position groups to varying degrees, you know, and this is just looking at it more as like the RBs of a team, the wide receivers of a mm -hmm. team. Mm -hmm. So individuals can obviously buck this trend, but it's enough for me to be a little bit concerned about his situation because he has a, both a mobile and rookie Q, QB. So I think you're, I mean, like you said, I think it could cut a, a mobile. One of the reasons a mobile QB is, is, can be a little bit of a knock for the team's running back is because they, they do tend to score more rushing touchdowns and therefore taking those rushing touchdowns away from the running back. Um, so, you know, and I'm just, I'm still just a little curious how this offense is going to work with Richardson in his first year. So I'm still, I still like Jonathan Taylor. I still think he's going to be an RB one this year. Um, but I think this is just about right for him uh, based on the concerns that I have. Okay, and I think what I come back to and why I see the upside is last season, Miles Sanders, 259 carries, nearly 1,300 rushing yards, and 11 TDs. If if Shane Steichen was able to coach Sanders up and get that out of him, 
Um, obviously behind a great offensive line, better than the Colts, but I think the Colts still have a top 10 offensive line here. So that's the upside for drafting Jonathan Taylor. I think here, um, I think I had him maybe at five or six overall. So I'm a little bit more bullish than Scott is, but, um, definitely have to go check out JJ's podcast there. Cause I like to see, you know, both sides of the coins in here. And, and I understand, uh, the concerns. I also see, like, do you think Jonathan Taylor still has RB1 upside overall, or do you, do you not think he has that in here, Scott? Uh, oh, you, the, the overall RB1? The R- yes. I don't quite see. Okay. It's based on, I mean, you bring up a really good point about, you know, the coach that I can't pronounce his name, coaching Michael, <laughs> Miles Sanders. Although I will say, Miles Sanders has always been a pretty good running back. He just Yes, we are, work. baby. We are, yes. So he's showing that once he actually isn't hated by his team. Um that is a good point. I just don't quite see the ceiling, um, especially, I mean, he doesn't, you know, relative to guys like Eckler and CMC and likely Bijan, he doesn't get the pe- pass catching work, yeah. even in even in his RB1 year. Um, I mean, his RB1 year, it was great. He was great, but it was one of the lower points per game for an RB1 in the last, it was like bottom five in the last 20 years as far as yeah. what what it took to be the RB1 in that year. So Great those, point. I mean, I Great still point. think, like Great I said, point. he's an RB one, but I don't think he's the RB one. Great point, man. I love that. Uh, let's go ahead and move to number nine here, Tyreek Hill, and this is a player we are both pretty high on. This is kind of the end of that second tier for me. Um, I, I think nine. I want to be in that top nine in a lot of my redrafts this season, uh, and I'm just tired of fading Tyreek Hill. I came in the last season no fading him. I, I came into the season before mm-hmm. fading him. Because there's all, all these question marks, but he was the wide receiver two last season. He's been a wide receiver one in five out of his last six seasons and career highs across the board. He did kind of, kind of, Scott, let down fantasy managers at the end, but Tua got hurt. He was playing with, uh, you know, just an assortment of young quarterbacks and was still decent, but not Tyreek Hill caliber. But now he is Mike White as the backup. Does that Tua get a little bulky here as well? Um, does that give you a little bit more optimism to take Tyreek Hill in the first round when, I mean, he was a value going in the mid to late second sometimes last year. Yeah. I mean, I have Tyreek Hill as my wide receiver four. um, I have him ahead of Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Devontae Adams. Um, he, he, he rounds out the group of four wide receivers that I think any four, any of the four could be the wide receiver one. I mean, Tyreek Hill was the wide receiver two. You know, there's a lot of talk about what about Jalen Wallace? He had a 30% target share last year. Three wide receivers had a 30% target share, and he was one of them. Um, you know, I just think, and he did that with Tua missing basically the equivalent of five games with because he got hurt in a game. So basically having that kind of quarterback carousel going on, he did it with that. If Tua's his quarterback all year, I mean, he could explode. And I am no longer fading him either. I've never really had him on my teams. And I can't really explain why. I mean, I don't like the person as much, but as far as the fantasy player, that's um, what it is for me. I think too. Yeah, which is fine, totally fine. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, because I have him. I have him an eighth overall, fourth wide receiver off the board. So yeah, I'm all I'm all in on on Tyreek. So I mean, if I can get him in, at nine, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's move to number ten here. Saquon Barkley, running back, New York Giants. Uh, contract negotiations still kind of putting this one up the air. We think he will be back. He'll sign either the tender or a new deal with them. Um, and last season finally bounced back. And now he has three RB one seasons in the first five years for Barkley here, Scott. 
How do you like him heading into 2023? Because I think he is worth, you know, an end of first round consideration fell off towards the end of the, 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 the last season, but he was used so heavily in the beginning. I think we saw it coming. Yeah. He's another one where, I mean, honestly, the, the way this first round is shaping up, there's not a lot of spots where I'd be picking based on this, where I'd be disappointed with my pick. I mean, I foresee Barkley because he still has that name value. Yeah. He'll, I think he's going to be gone by 10, whether that's good or bad. But I think he's a, I think he's a deal at 10. He was still at an 80% opportunity share, fifth highest target share, you know, uh, amongst running backs last year. You know, the, the Giants added 1 million wide receivers, but they didn't really add any, like, guy that's just going to take all the targets away from everybody else. So Certainly. I think he'll still be one of the, I mean, they added Darren Waller too, but Waller hasn't been able to stay healthy. So I think he'll still be, you know, maybe second, third on the team in targets potentially. He could, he could, he can do that. He's done it. Um, so I think he's, you know, I, he's also got a mobile quarterback in Daniel Jones and yes, Daniel Jones is a mobile quarterback based on rush attempts per year parameters. Um, so that could cut into his touchdowns a little tiny bit. Um, but again, I, I still think he does, and it, a lot of it also is based on that target share. He he has a he has one of his outcomes as overall RB one. It is it is a possibility for him where I don't think it is with Taylor. Okay, great. Let's talk about another NFC East player, AJ Brown. Finally got the alpha targets we've been looking for all 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 of his career really. Uh, 145 targets, 88 receptions, 1,500 yards, and 11 TDs. And this was just his first year with Jalen Hurts. I think that's something we need to consider here, Scott. And this is a defense that I don't think is going to be as good. They got younger, um, but they did lose TJ Edwards and a lot of good secondary help, CJ Gardner-Johnson most notably. Um, And they don't have as good running back. So I think they're going to throw even more here in Philadelphia. And I think AJ Brown is the perfect target here at 11. Um, any, any thoughts on AJB? I love it. He's another one of my favorite players in the NFL. Um, and you know, I still, I still, I think the, the look of shock is, is, is stamped somewhere in my brain when the Eagles traded and got him during that draft last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? Um, but, you know, and I have him, I think I have, have him at 13. So I have him just right around this general range. Um, you know, I think my only concern is just, you know, the somewhat lazy, uh, the other pass catchers that are there, they don't throw, they, they, you know, relative to, you know, the NFL as a whole, they don't throw, you know, on the upper end of that, you know, so is, is his potential volume capped. But if his targets go up, because he did, he led the NFL in, hog rate which is just a fancy way of saying targets yeah per route you've run how many times you get targeted he led the nfl so i mean if his if his targets tick up a bit if they if they're if their passing volume ticks up a bit his targets tick up a bit and i think their passing volume will tick up a little bit just because you know they do have rashad penny but they got swift now and so there's i think just think there's going to be more you know not league leading pass volume but i think there's it's steadily been increasing since they rushed the ball over 500 times a few years ago so he, you know, he's he's another one. He's a he's a he's a great end of first round guy, and he could exceed. He could easily exceed that. Yeah, he was a value last season, going in the third round. Sometimes later, um, wish I would have been on more AJB last season. Uh, how about CD Lamb here? And this is a player, Scott. You're always a bit higher than me on. However, I actually That's think okay. I can't. 
Yeah, this time I think I put Lamb at 12 and you had him in your honorable mentions here. Wide receiver five last season, almost 1,400 yards. And finally, we saw the touchdowns come with nine of them. And it was a much more consistent CD Lamb. That's what we've always struggled with Lamb. It's what we always struggled with Amari Cooper. However, Lamb kind of got it done last season, man. I mean, he was so consistent. Um, didn't win you your league, but didn't lose you your league either, which I think at pick number 12, that's kind of a guy. He's a steady Eddie, and that's what I'm targeting. Yeah, I mean, that is that is a good point. Typically, I've been higher on Lamb. Um, yeah, this is the I, fir I first time ever, I, mean, I think. I, I don't have. really have, like, my reasoning isn't really based on Lamb. Um, it's not really based on any huge red flags I have with Lamb or the Dallas offense. It's based on players I just like better. Um, like in my in my in my set of rankings, the receivers I had I have ahead of Lamb that aren't here are Devonta Adams, which I've already already talked about him. Yeah, so, can't right? do that. Um, and I have di I have Diggs ahead of Lamb as well. Um, you know, I think Diggs is is you know he's getting up there in age a little bit, but like he's another one that just kind of. You know, ever since ever since he was just this steal of the draft a few years ago when everybody thought that the change in team, change in quarterback was going to knock him. He was going in like the fifth round and then he was, you know, it was just, just, just delivered. You know, yeah, he was like cup. He was he was cup did the same thing the year he went off. Um, and so with Diggs, I mean, in points per game, he finished as the wide receiver five, uh, 12th highest target share last year. And I mean, nothing's really changed. Nothing's really changed in Buffalo, to be honest. I mean, they're they're his his role is the same. They're they're a, a fairly pass heavy team, um, and they're one of the better offenses in the league. So, I I have Diggs, I, I have Diggs and Devonte as far as wide receivers go ahead of Lamb, but they're all they're all kind of in the same tier for me. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they're all they're all in the same tier. So I mean, you know, to where if I get lamb where I'm ranking him, I'm going to be ecstatic. You know what I mean? Like ecstatic. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Scott, before we mention the honorable mentions, if I had to, to ask you, what is your favorite pick for redraft this season? What number you kind of talked about five earlier. You like that cut off a little bit. Um, is there another pick that you like more than five? You know, I haven't really, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about that, but I'm thinking, four and five right in that range just because the players I have right around four or five, you know, I kind of, the way I have it ranked somewhat is that group, any single one of them could be the number one overall at their position this mm -hmm. year. Um, with, in my opinion, CMC being a little bit more likely, Justin Jefferson being a little bit more likely. Um, but that's, you know, that in tier based drafting, that's why I'd rather go to the bottom of that tier and get a get an earlier second round pick. Um, you know, cause it's just, it's, it's not one of those seasons where it's just, oh my God, the, the 101 is such an obvious, just no doubt about it. Number one, we haven't really had that much lately, to be honest. I mean, last year, Taylor was the consensus, but CMC was my one last year too. So I kind of like it better that way. Honestly, I like it when there's, it's, 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 there's a whole, it, it, the, the edge between the people at the top five of the draft is thin. Agreed. Agreed. Makes it much more interesting for mm -hmm. us as analysts as well. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. I really like the four or five slot. And if I can't get one of them, I like that seven or eight. I can still get someone like Bijan, Jonathan Taylor, uh, maybe Cooper Cup or Travis Kelsey if one of those guys fall. So I really like one of those. And then we can 
kind of wrap it around here with our honorable mentions. These are guys that we would not take in the first round, but very close, or, or some of them we would, actually, because I know, Scott, you had Stephon Diggs in your first round. You had Devontae Adams as well. Um, I did not have Adams ranked in my top 15. Uh, but Derrick Henry, we didn't touch t- touch on Henry at all tonight, but Henry has been a force these last couple seasons as well. So early round two for Derrick Henry, sign me up on that. Garrett Wilson, he gets the electric. Aaron Rodgers now throwing him the ball. Um, and we've already heard the Devontae Adams comps coming from now number eight, formerly number 12, Aaron Rodgers. And then Brees Hall, um, t- to me, I know he's coming off the ACL, but I love Brees Hall a lot. I think if he Brees has- Hall was not coming off the ACL, I would have him probably ranked right behind Bijan Robinson. He would yeah. easily be in my top 12 if he wasn't coming off. What he was doing before he got hurt, he was gonna break he was gonna break fantasy last year, but then he got hurt and it was the worst, saddest injury of the year for me personally. So I, I was I'm hoping, I'm hoping he can yeah. Adrian Peterson it and just be right back to normal, but probably not. And that's why I, I have him in the second round. Uh, instead of the first yeah i'm uh, i'm i'm with you there man uh we got hoove in the chat saying what's up saying hi tushies uh not sure not exactly sure what that means but good to see you Hoove, nonetheless well and henry i mean you're right it's it's hard it's like it's because the way i always look at it is it's like i look at an individual player but then you know it's not just the individual player it's like who am i going to put him ahead because it feels weird to have henry not in the first round well, and, um, and that's why, like, honestly, like pick 11 or something wouldn't be that bad either. If you could get like an AJ Brown and Derrick Henry, I, w- I would really like that. Yeah, it's this is yeah, this is this is a year where it's 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 pretty. And I mean, we I think we think this every year. But to me, there haven't been you know, we, we've we've disagreed on a few on a few individual players. But um, I just I feel like there's not really a bad spot to draft from. There yeah. really just isn't a bad spot. To me, I see a little bit of a tear break after these honorable mentions that we just uh, talked about. I see a little bit of a tear break for me. So I, I really wouldn't mind kind of being towards that that later half, you know, still kind of towards the middle seven or eight. But um, then then you can get dicey. You know, you can throw out a Mark Andrews if you're coming back in the second round or a Jalen Hurts, even a, a Patrick Mahomes or a jo- Josh Allen. Like those are that's where the quarterbacks are going a lot of times here now. I know it's. Uh, very weird for us redraft analysts here, Scott, to say that when for so long these guys have been fourth, fifth, sixth rounders, and we've said even that seems too high at times. But uh, you look at the underdog ADP, and that's where you know the consensus has them going. So uh, just something to keep in mind. So mm-hmm. uh, Scott, I-, I love ranking that that first round here with you. Let's go ahead. Let's round it out here. Some good vibes and some good news. Right, good news here. This is where we talk about some lifestyle or uh, just some general good news out in the world. Uh, bring a little good vibes back to the show here. Uh, Scott, I will start with with mine, uh, the major headline, I feel like, of the week, if that's all right with you. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. He was spotted at the Taylor Swift concert, and he was vibing, man. Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to pull it up here if I can. Um but Scott, Aaron Rodgers gets like just this, you know, this stigma, I feel like, you know, that's just like he's not fun. He's he's a weirdo and like he's an asshole. And like, let's let's just cue in on this video here. Hopefully we don't get taken down from YouTube for playing it. Zooming on, on it, zooming in on Rodgers. 
He's grooving, baby. Taylor Swift, shake it off. <laughs> what do you think, Scott? What do you think about old AR8 now and the good vibes he was delivering there in NYC? I mean, looks like he was having a good time at a Taylor Swift show, which I'm assuming most people have, you know, have a pretty good time at a Taylor Swift show. I would have a really good time at a Taylor Swift show. Um, I mean, I think it's fun. And you're right. It, it is fun. I mean, he's seen as, you know, he's got a, he's got a reputation. To me, this doesn't, this doesn't really wipe away any of that reputation. Um, you know, maybe, maybe just a little. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe just a little. Like, I oh, think hey, we're not to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I remember when I first saw that, I was like, I couldn't tell. I was like, is it really him or is it just somebody that looks like him? Yeah. Because, you know, a little personal life thing. My brother, my brother, John, he's a couple of years younger, looks exactly like Aaron Rodgers. Like we make fun. We make fun okay, of him. Now. Okay. He looks exactly like Aaron Rodgers, depending on how he's got his hair and his facial. Yeah. Hair. So, um, so every time I see Aaron Rodgers, the first thing I think of is my brother, which is a nice thought. And then I realize it's Aaron Rodgers and it's not as nice of a thought. But this is, <laughs> He was vibing. I, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Yeah, good, shake vibe. it up. good vibes coming from from Ar the first. Yeah, man, this is just one of those things. Like, never judge a book by its cover. And I think like the media and us pundits like to really bury him sometimes. And I always like I, I don't want to be a defender of Aaron Rodgers. That's not my goal here. I'm not trying to be that guy. But um, I mean, when someone's out there vibing and being themselves, like that's the biggest thing I like. It, and we, we push it here, Scott, is we try to be ourselves on this podcast. Uh, I like athletes to be themselves. And Aaron Rodgers is very much himself. And he showed it at the T-Swift concert this weekend. Scott, any other good news for you as we head into the beginning of June and the summertime, my friend? Um, well, I just want to quickly, just as far as good news, good vibes, good times, just give a shout out to the Scott Fishbowl. Comes every year. Um, it's always fun. I was fortunate enough to get an invite this year, um, which I guess it'll be my third year. But forget that you know I got an invite. That's not. That's. I mean, yes, that is fun. But just seeing the excitement mm -hmm. on Twitter and just seeing the excitement from people, whether they've been in the Scott Fishbowl before, whether they haven't, it doesn't really matter. You see people that have probably been in it for ten straight years, and still you can tell they're genuinely excited about being in it again because it's an it's an awesome event it's gained so much steam um it's one of my favorite parts about this community i mean shout out to scott fish you know ryan mcdowell and john bosch and all the other people that are involved there's too many to name all the people out there making logos making avies for people all that kind of stuff um i mean just a quick side note like i've got two different chats scott fishbowl related chats going right now one of them is my division from last year which was the parks and rec division and we've created a dynasty league together and we just had our draft and it's super fun and we communicate in parks and rec gifts and that's right up my alley and then the league i'm in this year is the bluth banana stand arrested development so now i'm in a new chat group with gif language going from one of my other favorite tv shows so i mean just yeah. every little detail of the scott fishbowl league is just fun so um, just wanted to give another shout out. Plus, it's a great cause. It's a great charity. Um, and it just it's one of those things that I think brings people together. I've I've gotten new follows and followed new people and met new people and started interacting and started, you know, 
um, that type of thing through the Scott Fish Bowl. Like I said, I have a dynasty league now through the Scott Fish Bowl. Um, so, and, and you know, and that's not uncommon. I hear it all the time. Like there's mm-hmm. chat Agreed. groups I, I was in early on that like it was called something, but they're like, no, no, this was a chat group that was started for pick 106 in the Scott Fish yeah. three years ago or something like that. So just it, as far as good vibes in the fantasy football community, I don't think it gets any better than, than the Scott Fish Bowl. So shout out. Yeah, shout out Scott Fish. Shout out everyone in this community doing good work. Uh, shout out to you, Scott, as well, man. I, I can't thank you enough for riding along here on the In Between Fantasy Football podcast and everyone who tuned in tonight. Very awesome shows. We ranked the top 12, and we're going to have a lot more redraft content coming down the barrel here on the podcast and on the site this summer. So stay tuned, stay plugged in, guys. And until then, keep it in between. <laughs>